What number is this, Chip? Episode 88. Michael Nesmith at Live Talks Los Angeles, April 27th. Jeff Geringer and Tim Powers are there. And they're here. And you're here. Let's listen to the show. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. (laughs) Welcome to a very special episode of Zilch. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts today, and joining me today in the host chair... It's Tim Powers from Deep Dish Radio. Hello, Zilchers. What's new? And Jeff Geringer. Hey, hey, Zilchers. Good morning, good evening, or whatever it is that you may be listening. Uh Uh-huh. We're all sipping tea in our English garden as we are going to discuss Michael Nesmith's book tour, I guess you'll call it. What would you call it, guys? I don't know that I would call it a tour because it was just one uh, it was just one stop. What happened was the, the an organization called Life Talks here in Los Angeles hosted an evening, an intimate evening with, uh, with Nez and D.A. Wallach discussing the book and, uh, and a book signing, which was fantastic. And in a little, what, what do you say, Jeff, maybe, maybe 500 seat, 300 seat theater? In Santa Monica? It was 700 because they told us the story that Coach Phil Jackson signed 700 books in 55 minutes. Mm. Oh, that's and they were true. And they were trying to make that benchmark for Nez, and I'm sure he took longer than 55 minutes. Yeah, I was near the end of the line. It was longer than an hour. <laughs> so just to let people know, you guys are big Monkees fans. And, Huge. Uh, yeah. you guys it shouldn't love- be a shock to anybody who's listened to more than one episode of this show. Yeah, absolutely. And you found out that this was coming. How soon did you prepare to go, Tim? I bought tickets that day. Uh-huh. The day I the day I found out, I, I bought I bought two tickets because I had a feeling that in a small environment like this, and I had been to enough uh, monkeys events in Los Angeles to know that it would fill up with the usual suspects. And I was right. Good to see you again, Jeff. <laughs> same here, <laughs> Jeff. Same question. Um, I, I, almost identical, but on the same day. And I've been to events that LA Talk has done before, and they, they do do it very classy and very first rate. Um, you know, the organization was great, and it's a beautiful theater, and it was, it was nice. The anticipation was trying to figure out what, ki- what Nez we were going to get. Mm. The fun, frolicking, you know, laugh Nez or the intellectual, you know, serious side. And, and luckily, I think we got both. Yeah, we did. What about the eating ice cream for breakfast and playing Warcraft side? Did that I show up? At I all? didn't see that side. Oh, okay. No, I didn't either. <laughs> there was neither ice cream nor Warcraft at this event. And, and were there any wool hats to be found amongst the, the fans? Mercifully, no. I was really surprised. I figured one or two jerks would show up with a, with a wool hat and go, huh, found it, huh, but no. <laughs> I mean, if you came to this event, you were... You deserve your zilch button. You were a, you are a dyed in the wool hardcore in your DNA since the first time you ever saw the TV show or the first time you ever saw Clarksville. You got bitten by the monkey bug. Um, it was a hardcore fan event. Jeff, would would you agree with that? Sure. And what's what's nice is there's there's always a monkeys family for any LA based monkeys event, and we saw the typical suspects, and it was you know nice to see all the people in the audience that you've seen for years and years and even, you know, the people behind the scenes to see Rodney Bingenheimer or see Henry Diltz 
You know, it was it's it's always great to see the fans and and the people that made the monkeys what they were. Right. And um on top of that, like I pulled into the parking lot behind Christian and Cersei. The other boys were there as well and then uh and then Jessica was running around. Gosh, who else? Oh, the, the Andrew Sandoval was there. Uh John Hughes, of course, in attendance. Those two uh sat in the Oh wow. Valkyrie's Vinay was there. Yeah, she was there. Very cool. And then Jeff and me, and mercifully, uh, security <laughs> didn't find out about either one of us. Yeah. No, and I tried to ask a question of Nez, and they would not call on me, so i do what it is. What would have been your questions? Well, I'll answer a, it as if I were Nez. Okay. Can you? Yeah. You know, Nez, I was front row for the Pantages concert that you did last year, and this joy in your face, you could just tell how happy it was making you. Why in the world would you want to stop performing with the monkeys? <laughs> My first answer would get edited out of this show. <laughs> well, my second answer would get edited out, out of the show. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, uh, the stories are true. I have enough money. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, Ken, what was really fun, too, was running into John Hughes. For those of you that don't know, the audio soundtrack to Nez's book was done by Rhino and produced by John Hughes, mm-hmm. our friend and part of the family here in so Right. So I went up to John and I had the booklet open. I said, excuse me, could you sign this for me? And John looked at me like, Jeff, what are you saying? What? No, you, you're part of the... And he's right next to Andrew. And so John borrowed a pen from the woman next to him and signed the booklet for me. And I said, thank you so much, sir. And as I was leaving, the woman next to John said, excuse me, but who are you and why are you famous? <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah, it was nice to be. I, I mean, Andrew recognized me, which tells me one of two things. Either uh, I've been to enough of these events that I'm kind of, you know, uh, uh, one of the family, you know, one of the one of the monkeys fan families that, that's around. Or two, that restraining order is forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, they're all zilch listeners, so that makes it extra cool. It was nice, it, except that woman next to John Hughes. I don't yeah, think she was. Yeah, yeah, she's probably not a Zilch listener. But if you're out there, thank you for listening to your first episode of Zilch. We're, <laughs> we're glad to have you here. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd love to Jeff, take you home. Jeff, where were your seats? Where did, where did you land? I was second row right. I was third row left. So you were kind of right near Rodney. No, it was the other direction, but close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just a couple rows in front of um, uh, uh, Jeff and Andrew. Yeah, boy, Rodney is sure well-preserved, boy. If you think that he was the, the double for Davey 51 years ago, he looks amazing. Yeah, he really, it's it's really cool. To, Rodney was the first thing I saw when I walked in the building. Like, you, you walk past, they take your ticket, and and I walked in, and there's like a couple, of, a couple of civilians, and then Rodney, and my brain just went, well, of course Rodney is here. Of course. <laughs> and of course, he's right at the front of the line. And of course, he looks like he belongs there. I'm like, I'm convinced Rodney doesn't have a car. He just manifests himself <laughs> at wherever these events are. There's a puff of smoke, and then Rodney and his girlfriend. Yeah, always has a beautiful girl on his arm. Always. Not a bad way to spend an evening. No, that's true. Thursday night at the event, I walked in, and I'm like, man, Ken's here. You know, your presence, the Zilch presence, was just really tangible in that room. You know, nobody was really wearing buttons or anything like that. But I'm like, these are Ken's people, man. These are the people that are that are checking out this show and and laughing at his jokes and and you know appreciating what what Melanie has to say and all this all the weird stuff that we do. Oh wow! You know, and really just I felt 
your presence in that room that night. Ah, uh. <laughs> as I as I watched the faces of the of the other people in line, and you just saw that everybody was there for for a very single reason. Obviously, they were there to see Nez, but every single one of them had that that monkey's bug that we all recognize in each other, where we were all smitten with this as, as young kids and have fostered that love forever. And I thought to myself, man, Ken Mills is here. This is the zilch crowd. And I'll bet after, after this episode goes out, you're going to hear from people who are like, yeah, Ken, I was there. Yeah. I probably saw Tim, but I wouldn't recognize him. And my guess is probably one out of every three people is a, is a zilcher in that, in that crowd. And your presence you know, the presence of my friend Ken Mills was very tangible in that room that night. That is that is cool. You really do. I mean, you you have become the, the focal point for this weird fan community that extends beyond, you know, beyond this this the podcast. You know, your your online presence and the fact that it's become tangible real life. I mean, w- correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but wasn't there a, a, a zilch marriage? Yes, uh, they, they yeah. met because of zilch. It was really cool because they met on the Zilch Facebook page and they they are actually going to get married. They should have you do the ceremony. <laughs> I, I I would love to. Yeah, it's amazing what's happened in this amount of time. But you know, it's it's not me. It's it's everybody. It's you. It's it's everybody. So it's great being part of this with everyone. I mean, that's powerful. And in just what three years, man, they should have you do the ceremony. I wouldn't mind doing the ceremony, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to be part of the divorce. <laughs> well, I've seen you. I think that's impossible. Ouch. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim and, and Jeff. Today on the show, we are going to be playing some bits of music from Infinite Tuesday, the soundtrack to the book Infinite Tuesday. So you can get that at Amazon or wherever finer CDs and books are sold. seem relaxed and was was he into this yeah i thought he was very into it he, he said when he walked out how much he was looking forward to it and we as fans of course were looking forward to it so we could get some some real answers and you know some some real comments from him for those of you that went to the monkeys convention that the great jody ritson threw a few years ago where they had nez up there they did a q of a that left a lot of people wondering what the heck was that and there was no answers and they were just speaking philosophically and it was just like people wanted to find out hey how did elephant parts come to be or whatever and they never went that way so it was kind of fun to see the first question out of the box really turned out to be head related 
so Nez could start telling his his head questions. Yeah, he um, uh, spoke quite at length about head with some joy in his voice because you know we're, we're used to reading or hearing him talk about uh, his monkey's experience at all with uh, with a little bit of acid attached to it you know not that he has a, a a negative feeling toward it but just like you know that eye roll oh this again yes my mom invented liquid paper no i don't know where my hat is yeah you the know, stock yes questions. the other guys were talented <laughs> yeah um but this was i think he knew where he was and folks knew uh, the baseline was just about everybody in the room knew all the basic stuff so he could talk in a little more detail mm-hmm. about you know uh, drug usage like i'd never heard him talk about dropping acid before wow i thought that was kind of interesting well, what did he basically say about that <laughs> <laughs> well we had heard the stories you know about the four guys in nicholson and the producers going up to ojai mm-hmm. and smoking weed for the weekend and coming out with the script for head but this yeah this was the first time we talked about you know acid and what it did and and told the story of of the the root of what head is really about. Now, I hadn't heard that story. Maybe, you know, Tim, you can correct me, but Nez told the story that he was, you know, in an office with Nicholson and they couldn't figure out what this movie's about and what's its thread and what's its core. And then all of a sudden, Nicholson goes, I've got it. I've got it. He says, what's that? He says, Victor Mature's hair. Yeah. Yeah. The the story that uh, I'm, I'm sure the audio will show up, if not on Zilch, somewhere else very quickly because mm-hmm. the live talk folks make the audio available publicly and at no charge. Mm. But yes, it's, it's a great story and you know, nobody hits a punchline quite like Nesmith. So uh, the, the story just uh, erupted the room into laughter and everybody relaxed at that point. You know, we're like, okay, we know, we know what we're going to get. I kept waiting for somebody to just to pull out like a, you know, Martin acoustic guitar and go, Hey Nez, will you sing for us? But you know, that never <laughs> happened. And oddly, he would, you know, for, he would as, go, as you, no. <laughs> as you look around the, the, the hour that he spoke, he really didn't talk too much about music. No. In fact, that's the, I'm, I'm still working my way through the book. And, and where I am right now is uh, the first couple chapters where he discovers rock and roll. And that would have been a great story to hear in his own voice with his own nonverbals where, you know, you know I, I did not know that Bo Diddley was such, a, uh, such an influence. On, on young Michael. And I would have loved to have seen him get get jazzed about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I always got the feeling that about Bo Diddley, even when I was a kid, you'd see him in the Monkeys on Tour episode where Mike would do that thing where he's playing with... The with the shit. maracas? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, with the maracas. It always kind of reminded me of that kind of... You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, it was cool. What was the most surprising moment for you, Jeff Garinger? It, it really was one moment. It was the entire collection of the way Nez treated himself. You know, you you can go through YouTube and see some great interviews with Nez, like the Bob Costas interview, mm-hmm. or if you go online, the podcast interview he did with um, Gilbert Gottfried. Mm-hmm. You get a really funny, open, warm Nez, and that's what we got here. We got it from the beginning when he walked out to when we you know, put our hand out to shake his hand when he signed our book. He, mm-hmm. he just, he just seems so happy right now. It's, it's just amazing and, and fun to see because we, we've lived through the, if, if you're a longtime fan, the years where he had nothing to do with the monkeys and it was part of his past and he was into something else. So it's, it's just fun to, to embrace his entire career in a, in a fun and, and 
really charming way. He he just he was I guess that's the best word I could use. He was just charming. He's charming as hell. You know, Jeff, if I can if I can tag on that, the thing that I found about this that was different than my expectation was how accessible he was that there were uh, questions from the public and you know i said i was near the end of the book signing line and make no mistake there were a lot of hardcore fans there who had been waiting for this moment probably their entire lives you know and uh you know the the anticipation as you went down the line was was palpable by the time i got to the end of the line you could tell he was he was uh he was tired of what he was doing but signed my book, looked up, made a point to make direct eye contact with me and just go, thanks for coming. And, but the fact that he, he, and I hate to sound too sycophantic about it, but he, he looked up and made the effort to make eye contact, which still at the end of the night was really dichotomous from the aloof, disengagedness that, that maybe I have come to expect from situations like this where he just kind of rolls his eyes and says, well, here, I got to do this because I'm obligated. No, I, I certainly agree. It was the same way with me. He, he took the time to look me in the eye. I posed a question. I just made a statement to him. I said how refreshing it was to have an intelligent interview with no mention of liquid paper, and he laughed. That's clever. <laughs> oh, good job, Jeff. Well, because unfortunately, you know, we talked about the book tour, but he's done a lot of, of radio interviews for the book, and they're all about five to seven minutes long, and he gets the same standard questions. So here he got to really expand on his thoughts and his feelings, and it was so great to be there. Mm. Lucy and Ramona cruising to the jungle The other thing that I got 
out of this uh, out of this night, which was really interesting. My my degree uh, from the University of Missouri is is communication theory, and you know I got it in the late '90s before the internet. And you know we studied Marshall McLuhan and we studied uh, media theory and things like that. And to hear Nez talk about elephant parts and television parts and the creation of pop clips and MTV. And I remember watching pop clips and thinking even at the time that this was it's a natural extension of what was happening in music. But, you know, nobody really knew what to do with the media. And to and to hear a first person account of how the music industry and the media transitioned from, you know, the the AM gold uh, radio days to the MTV generation, which I think all three of us guys kind of were, you know, consumed at the time, was was really fascinating. And and to hear him talk about, with a little bit of modesty, how that was created almost single-handedly by him, was was really interesting. Did you did you ask if he would sign your CD as well, Jeff? I was I was stopped. <laughs> By the bouncer who, you know, greeted people when they got in the line. Mm-hmm. They asked for one item and the book only. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, I have and that's one, cool. I have a one-fingered monkey salute for the bouncer at that event. Yeah, he was a tough one. He was a tough one. I have, uh, the, I have the Cole Gems uh, COS 101 signed by the, signed by the three other guys. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would have loved to have had that album signed by Nez that night. But uh, no, the bouncer was not having any of it. And you know, um, maybe it's just the way I am too. It, it, you know, correct me, Tim, if I'm wrong. But you don't want anything to go wrong. You know, I don't want to do anything that you know pisses off a monkey or you know do something that that makes a scene. And if they say one item, and you know, there were some people that brought in you know albums and things, and he guitars. Did you see the dude with the guitar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they stopped him, but yeah. Because Nez doesn't want to be the bad guy, he doesn't want to say no. I don't want to sign, but I understand he's he's there to promote his book. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm always if there's rules, you know, stupid me, I follow them. I wanted to record the event for for Ken and for Zilch so they could hear it quickly, but they made a big point of saying no audio recordings, and so I I followed the rules. I offered to forego one of my books in order to have this album signed because you know it's only taken me 25 years to get all four signatures. Mm-hmm. But you know, okay, I, I get it. This is an event. For the book, and I didn't want to be that fan. Right. You know, there was there was already a room full of that fan. There were guys with stacks of records. There were guys with stacks of stuff to to have signed. And you know, I know Ness's opinion on that kind of stuff. Like, why am I going to sign it when you're going to turn around and sell it on eBay? I get that. That's why he doesn't take uh, he doesn't accept uh, autograph requests at Video Ranch unless you pay a buck twenty five for it. And I'm cool with that. I just thought, well, all right, how often am I, I going to get this opportunity? And, uh, well, you know, security is what it is. And, and I'm with Jeff. I did not, I did not want to be, uh, I didn't want to make trouble. Right. Well, that's good. Seriously. It, to me, that's, that's like a responsible fan. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we didn't want to call you, Kim, and say, you know, Tim and I are in jail. Can you come bail us out? Do you really like us? <laughs> How much do you want us on the show next? You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my wife wouldn't make bail because I because I made trouble at a monkey show. She's like, "Well, you deserve it. Call Ken." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm already in the monkey doghouse because of the money I've spent on concert tickets in the past year. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I just have to say this: that there were, there's been times that there's been a few people on the Zilch Facebook page that we had to ban, right? And one of our uh, staff, Craig Cohen 
he said you have to seriously question what's going on in your life when you get thrown off a monkey's board <laughs> yeah well yeah, that, that's indicative of bigger problems. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I brushed past uh, Jessica Nesmith on, on my way to the, um, on my dog. way out of the amphitheater. And it dawned on me that I could have stopped her and said, hi, did you go to college? And she would say yes. And I said, well, I paid for that. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> yeah. That's a great line, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> so did you get to say hi to everybody that was there? Like as far as uh, Cersei and Christian and stuff like that or I, I didn't get to Cersei and Christian I did get to say uh, hi to Andrew and, and John you know and, and genuflected at Rodney but that was that was about it for me yeah I'm, I'm almost the same people the only person I could add to it is I did talk to Henry Diltz quickly and Gary Strobel who is um, Henry's archivist uh -huh. very good <laughs> think that that this would have legs if it could be a tour at the beginning of this i said the michael nesmith book tour i was kind of thinking uh not just what happened at the event but all the press he's been doing whether it be phone-ins or or what have you do you think that this would have legs as far as taking it across the country where he would be able to sell his book get it signed and draw this kind of crowd 
Tim. You know, if if Nez toured the remaining Barnes and Nobles around the country and and did a mall tour for his book, you know, L.A. is obviously the 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 key place to do it because the monkeys experience happened here, uh-huh. and there's a lot of monkey people uh, running around, and frankly, we're a pretty rabid fan base. But would it work in Des Moines and Chicago and and Wichita, Kansas? Hard to say. I I, w- I would guess not, and. Uh, further, I think that's something Nez would get bored with real quick. Yeah. Now, if he he's going like, to he's going to sell books anyway. Right. Right. You know, the people who are going to buy the book are going to buy the book. Uh-huh. Well, I kind of look at it too. Is last year, you know, when Mickey did a Q and A with Peter Noon, uh-huh. I don't know how well that did. There hasn't haven't been any other ones. You know, they did that together, and I don't know how well it would be. It, it's kind of hard when you have someone so based in in music um, to do a talking only tour. Uh, we have a, a beautiful theater here in, in Orange County where I live, and they have people come through like Carol Burnett and Joan Collins and stars that do one-man shows, but it's a show. It's almost like what Peter did, you know, when he did his little one-man show and had video clips and slides and, you know, it was organized. Something like that could work out well, but, but I agree with Tim trying to put them in, in you know, Wheeling, West Virginia. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't see it happening. Not that those communities don't deserve it, and not that rabid fans uh, would not show up. Absolutely, make no mistake that that they would. Um, but you know, I I don't see it drawing the same kind of crowd that it drew in L.A. And you know, I also don't see Nez doing like the 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 wizard world or the Hollywood signing shows where he's got a little booth with his picture with the wool hat and he's sitting at a table signing autographs. You know, while casual fans come by and go, is the liquid paper story true? You know, I don't see that happening. <laughs> uh, but then again, unless, unless alimony is really expensive. But then again, we never thought we'd see him at an actual monkeys convention either. I mean, think about it. Yeah. That was true. amazing. Could have knocked me over when that was announced. Yeah. Can't you tell by the way I'm wrong Every time you make eyes at me Yes, you cry and and say it'll work out But honey child, I've got my doubts You can't see the forest for the trees Now don't get me wrong, it's not that I knock it It's just that I am not in the market For a girl who wants to love only me And I'm not saying that you ain't pretty All I'm saying is that I'm not ready For any person, place or thing To try and pull the reins in on Find a man who will take a lot more than I ever could or can And you'll settle down with him And I know that you'll be happy So goodbye, I'm leaving 
you see no sense in you crying and grieving We'll both live a lot longer if you live without me, babe All go red of the book what do you think of it well uh, I'm like Tim I'm, I'm about halfway through um, it's really intriguing and, and of course I <laughs> I went to the monkeys chapter first um, but you know Nez is such a writer and paints such pictures you know it's it, it it's kind of like you know Ray's and some of the albums he's done it it just it's a it needs your your total concentration to be able to grasp it because I'll read something and I'll go what the hell was that? And I have to go back and start the paragraph over. Oh, that's what he meant. And so to me, there's a lot of, oh, that's what he meant comments. Uh -huh. Very good. Uh, Tim, even though you're in the same situation, what are your thoughts on the book thus far? I think um, we're, we're reading the memories of a really, really smart man. And I mean, I have an extensive vocabulary, folks. I do. And uh, it was... I, he sent me to my dictionary more than once, uh, <laughs> looking. I'm like, what in the world? I, I suppose I could, I could, uh, I, I could get the word from the context. And then I realized he even copped to it that at some point he just makes up words, and uh, and they fit. So it's it's really interesting to to read uh, such a smart guy who, you know, if you if you if you pare it down a little bit kind of hides a little bit behind some highfalutin terms and we're seeing a a vulnerable and insecure but not completely visible nez i don't think we're getting the whole story nor nor should we but the, you know he's not as transparent as the candor in this book indicates and and that's me halfway through it may change as i get all the way through it you know i once tried to look up my thesaurus but i i'm i'm just not that limber <laughs> use a mirror yeah i use a mirror there you go <laughs> so the uh the the soundtrack which th this is becoming a thing occasionally a couple books have had some soundtracks and oddly enough john hughes has had some things to do with them as well what do you think of the soundtrack thus far jeff oh i love it you know anytime that you can go all the way back to the new recruit that's great. I mean, I, you always want to be your own producer, and I keep thinking, well, wouldn't it have been great to have until it's time for you to go, or maybe a couple more monkeys cuts. I have a an affinity for his song "While I Cry." Uh -huh. You know, there's there's things he could have put on it, but it's it's just so nice to have basically 50 years in your hand of your of your musical career, and to have different drum and and all the first national band things, and uh -huh. oh, it's it it's so cool. It's just it's just so cool that a they're all on the same label, so it's not like they're having you're having to get, you know, one from Capital and one from EMI and one from. They're all together. Thank you, Rhino, and it's just it's just great to be able to hear from start to finish how he has evolved from a just just audio standpoint. You know, even though you can't start Rio without thinking of the video. I'm hearing the light from the window I'm seeing these 
sound of the sea My feet have gone loose from their moorings I'm feeling quite wonderfully free And I think I will travel to Rio Behind fancy, there's wings to the thought behind play, and dancing to rhythms of laughter makes laughter the rhythm of rain. So I think I will travel to Rio using the music for fun. album is a great gift to the new fan yes you know if you're like hey man you want to hear what nez is all about this is you know credit where credit is due to john and nez who you know selected these picks and and knowing both of those guys uh, who are very passionate about what they do uh, i would imagine there were some pretty heated conversations about what stays in and what goes out obviously nez is going to win that argument even though Hughes has biceps like Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> you know, the, if if you have uh, if you have a casual fan who's like, oh, this is an interesting book. I like Last Train to Clarksville. You know what? Why don't you give this a listen? And that's what I would use this soundtrack for. As far as the soundtrack to this album, I'm like Jeff. I could I could very well make my own and cobble it together with my own collection of stuff, which I did, and it's quite enjoyable. And there there have been people online that. 
there's the people that complain about everything that comes out, right? Was there really a need for this? Was there really a need to put this album out for the 13th time? Was there really a need for this, that, and the other thing? And the, the answer is maybe not for you, but there's people that are buying this album and it'll be the first thing they maybe have ever purchased the Nez musical-wise, you know what I'm saying, as a solo yep. artist. So it definitely has a place, and it's, it's, it's like a primer for Nez. Yeah, if you don't need it, don't buy it. But when Christmas comes around and you want to hip somebody to something really, really cool... This is, a, this is the kind this of thing it. like, honey, well, you're looking for a stocking stuffer for me. Here you go. Yeah, and I was pleased. You know, I'm one of those, you know, collectors that, you know, buy everything, whether I have it or not. You know, I'm probably going to get the 19th version of More of the Monkeys later this year. Mm-hmm. But I felt, you know, completely content with this collection. It's just, yes, I have all the other songs on other medium, but to have it all together perfectly, you know, in a nice CD, you know, it isn't burned or saved on a fire stick or, you know, it's just great to tangibly hold in your hand. I almost went and bought the, the vinyl version, and I had to stop myself going, no, Jeff, stop it, damn it. It is a very concise collection. You know, obviously everybody has an idea what should and shouldn't have, have gone in, but taken as it is and as a whole, it's a very concise and, and really good collection of stuff. You know, there's no clinkers on there. No. So kudos to John Hughes and Michael Nesmith for delivering a good Michael Nesmith musical primer. Excellent, excellent. Indeed, and uh, and it does make a good companion to the book. the The overall night, though, uh, you know, when the when the audio shows up on Zilch, and I'm sure it will, you'll see what Jeff and I are talking about. This is a really, this is an engaged, interested, really upbeat and kind of happiness. There's a period where where Da is asking a very very long question, and Jeff, I don't know if you noticed this or not. But Mike all of a sudden became fixated with his shoes, and he started messing with his shoes. <laughs> yes. and, and my thought at that point was, well, shit, we lost him. <laughs> there he goes. He's, it he's was. You wanted tonight. to laugh, and you didn't want to laugh because he was in the middle of a question. And, and, and Nez is really he's bending down you know, like he's trying to rub a spot off his shoes, and you're going, what the hell? You're like, I did not drop 100 bucks to watch you shine your <laughs> shoes, Nez. <laughs> Well, since but, we're in a in a point of speculation, you know, talking about uh, would he be able to do this uh, elsewhere, there's a couple questions I want to ask you guys, just like the over-under on, if you will. There's one monkey that we haven't seen a book from. Do you think we'll ever see a book from Peter Tork? He was the first one to threaten to write a book, too, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would think if he was going to write it, he would have written it by now. Just because the excitement of the 50th would have been a perfect time to do it. Mm-hmm. But so much was going on around the 50th. Who had time, right? I mean, Mike even had to bow out of the tour, you know, right. to make this happen. Peter's perspective on everything that went down, um, you know, would be would be really interesting. And I, I, I just wonder if... Or everything that could be said about 1966 to 1969 in the monkey's experience has already been said and may be said better. It just hasn't been said from Peter's perspective. And, you know, who knows? I, I don't know. There, I mean, I've got a, I'm like Jeff. I've probably got a, two shelves full of monkey books, right? Yeah. Uh, what, else, what else can be said other than mm-hmm. to get it from Peter's perspective? 
Well, as far as what I would like from a Peter Tork book, I can tell you this. I know that uh, I've, I would love to hear his perspective, but not only his perspective of what happened during the tornado that was the monkeys, but the ups and downs and surviving, I'd like to hear about him being a teacher. I'd like to hear about uh, Zen and how it has helped him survive. Because, you know, I don't care whether it's Star Trek or you're in a huge band, whatever it is, just the fact that you survived, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it's 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 mind-blowing to think that you went on this journey because celebrity is not normal. P people don't seem to understand that. Like, there's been times that uh, I've gotten to know some people that were in bands and their fans will come up to them and you see this, like, thing where they, like, change as soon as they know they're around a fan, right? Or around somebody that admires them. Celebrity is not normal. And I would love to hear Peter Tork's Zen take on surviving all of that from the ups to the downs and the coming backs. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be an interesting story arc, Ken, because Peter's troubles after he bought out his contract are well documented mm -hmm. up until the 86, uh, 86 reunion tour. I just think that with his Zen take on things it could be extremely interesting and could also be a teaching tool you know what i'm saying well you know his people do listen to zilch ken and that would yeah. be a fantastic interview just <laughs> saying if anybody's listening call ken you've got his number right i i, I think i think that peter he's for example you'll see clips of him anytime he's around a musical instrument he'll, he'll just like glong onto it and then uh he'll talk about the origin of things and it, it always seems like he's a natural teacher in that respect so that's that's kind of what i would love to have from a peter tork book now this, it would be there, fascinating i'm sorry go ahead oh, i'm sorry jeff there are probably uh drafts of a book sitting in various states and you know computer files and, and typewritten files all over uh all over peter's personal office one can only hope Again, just speculating, but that would be really cool. It would sure be a treat if it happened. And now here's our last over/under: the odds of Nez ever coming on Zilch. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it could it it's not out of the realm of possibility, and and here's why: you know, over the past I'm gonna say three years, we've watched Nez kind of embrace. All right, fine. Yes, I was that guy. I was that monkey. I think it would be refreshing for uh, to hear him on Zilch talk about something other than the same dozen questions that you know all four guys have stock answers for, uh -huh. and that's I think that's when Jeff and I saw him really light up is when we were talking about something different, something other than what was it like to work on the set, you know, and, and that's the kind of stuff he's going to get in an environment like this. That's why when Nez really does a great interview, it's in Rolling Stone or it's in you know Goldmine. It's not in People, right. Right. And one of the things that was fun, too, um, at the event was this, this cute little girl got up. I shouldn't say little. She was like a you know a teenager. Mm -hmm. Got up and was real scared and awkward and, and asked him a question. What, what was it like creating television parts? Well, when was the last time Nez got a question about t television parts? Not elephant parts, but television parts. Right. And he just went off about how, how they created these things and how we took comedians and, and made their little movies about their, their improvs and their, 
it, that was the first time on television we saw Whoopi Goldberg. It's the first time we really saw Gary Shandling, uh-huh. Lois Bromfield, and Jay Leno, and he had great people on that show. And it was just great to watch Nez light up, you know, when he got to talk about something that, that wasn't liquid paper. Mm-hmm. Very good. I guess the, the last thing I'd like to say, as, as, as three guys who absolutely love the medium of radio, and by extension, podcasting, could you imagine, as, as John Hughes says, wouldn't that be something, wouldn't it be something if Mike Nesmith just started podcasting? Like once a month, he'd throw the mic open and just pontificate. You know that would be cool, and I'd also like to hear him spin discs. Oh, I'd love, yes! Wouldn't that be cool just to have him go? You know what? Here's a record I really like, and then play, you know, whatever, whatever Merle it Hagen. is. Merle, knowing him, it could be anything. It could be like sure. you know Spanish language lessons from 1956. You know, and then he talks about a biblioteca. Isn't that great? Don't you love it? And then he'd say, uh, one time we were stuck outside of Tucson, the car had broken down, and I had wandered into, and he'd just tell yeah. some sort of story, and this is why I'm playing this Bo Diddley song. So, But it also shows you how insatiable monkey fans are. You know, God, can you imagine if that happened, if he started doing that? Man, we'd want more and more and more frequent and mm-hmm. more information. It's just like we, we, could, we could never get enough from Nez. And it's at that point that he would cut it off. Yeah, <laughs> we want more. Okay, I'm done. I could even see him like sometimes putting up a a, a five minute episode, and then one that's like a five part, you know, mammoth thing, just just right. because he felt like it. And that's part of the beauty of podcasting; it allows us to do whatever we want. Kind of, it is. Uh, Either you guys the heard the audio book? Not no. yet, but uh, it's it's on my uh, things to do. Seriously, because that would be a good indication of what the, the what that podcast would be like. Christine the Button Queen has been listening to it for the last week and a half, and she says it is worth it. All right. There you go. Worth so, for me. Nez, we want a commission on the uh, at least nine books and, and CDs that we have sold from this, uh, from this piece. Yes, there you go. We uh, look for our check for 35 <laughs> cents very soon. Mr. Nesmith, we love you, and we love all the, the, the Monkeys family as well. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us today. And the rest of this episode is going to be a couple Nesmith interviews, just kind of uh, buttoning up the end of it and giving you basically an hour's worth of content. We hope that you enjoyed spending time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you on a regular episode of Zilch. This one's kind of low-key, you know. You guys are still in your pajamas, and uh, I, I still have yet to find coffee, so I need to Wait, find I thought coffee. I covered up the camera on my... No, oh. you can see me? Oh, God. Oh, oh man. Oh. <laughs> Not a pretty sight, pal. It happens. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything about the curlers your hair is in, Jeff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all right. <laughs> okay, good night, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> this is rock and roll. What ain't rock and sleep? Get up. The Classic Rock Morning Show on 94.7 CSX. Michael Nesmith, it's an honor. How are you? Jim, good morning. How are you doing? That is, uh, I'm doing great. I have to be honest, I got into your book last night and I tore through 180 pages before I knew what time it was. Wow. Well, good. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I did. I absolutely love it. And I know you reference Douglas Adams a lot, who I'm a huge fan of. You write like him. And I mean that in a good way. 
Well, good. I take it as a compliment. It was cool, man. I love the nonlinear stuff there, and there's so much to touch on, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but you said something about the monkeys and Pinocchio that really resonated with me, that you guys, as the monkeys, were sort of not meant to be a real band, but you evolved into something like that. Is is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's close to it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of confusion. This discourse goes back a half a century, so, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of... Not a lot of clear clarity there, as I say. You know, it's 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 all seen through the fog of Amarcord. You know, you're remembering your own past. But yeah, that's that's what I recall. It is that the confusion came from the monkeys being a television show and not a recording band, and that never quite settled itself out in the minds of a lot of people. So with, with and then with your history too, and there's again the book Infinite Tuesday is a wonderful read. Um, you mentioned something about Jimi Hendrix, and, and you were blessed, you know, so fortunate to spend time with John Lennon and Hendrix, and, and I appreciate you sharing those stories in the book, but you said that Jimi never really understood how great he was. Is that because he was never able to see himself on stage? I think so. I mean, <clears throat> it's a big leap for me to make that assumption about Jimi, because we were not close. You know, he was more of an acquaintance. I met him when he was opening for the uh, Monkees uh, concerts. He's a, he was a very nice man, and, and I enjoyed his company quite a bit, but I, I speculate a lot about uh, you know him not knowing how great he was, but between him and John Lennon, their self-awareness being you know astute and, and very high value, I, I, I didn't know exactly whether they could understand themselves because he had never seen themselves. You know, John Lennon had never seen the Beatles. Hendrix had never seen the experience. And I had. So I had a completely different take on what they were doing. And I recognized that in their company a few times. And so I just made the speculation, put it in the book. Well, it's a great point, but isn't it, uh, could you say the same thing for the monkeys? I mean, when you watch yourself, that's the old saying that you never, no one will ever, no one will ever know what they really sound like because your brain changes the way your voice sounds. So for yeah, you so to watch the monkeys and, and to see you live, you don't really understand the, the impact you had on, on our culture. Exactly, it's like seeing yourself in a mirror. You don't you don't really know how you look. You have you know sort of a twisted backward look at yourself. Now um, the I, I I apologize I didn't write it down. The telegram to John Lennon, the last part. What did you say? Was it God is love? God is when you tagged the telegram you sent to him. Well, no, it was. <laughs> That was just that was just a sign off. I, I said, you know, I'd love to meet you, and I'd love uh, it, love it if I could just, you know, spend a little bit of time with you and talk some. And uh, so, please, you know, let me know if you're available and have the time. And then I didn't know how to sign it. I didn't know, you know, best wishes or you know your your want to be friend. So I just signed it. God is love. And at, you s- at that time, you know, that was a that was sort of a radical idea. Well, and and do, so, do you think that 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 was the um... As in fisherman terms, that was that that got the nibble when he saw the how you how you signed it. Like, oh, I'm interested in this guy. Yeah, I think so. I think that was a, that was a tipping point. So you would when you went to London, and uh, again, we're talking with Michael Nesmith. The book Infinite Tuesday. There's so much to touch on in this book, but um, I it, it was you brought up an interesting point again about perspective for people in London. It was just the way they lived. They were in the eye of a hurricane that they didn't even realize the scope of what was going on around them with music in the 60s. Yeah, that's the way it seemed. When I went in there, you know, I thought, 
it's going to be just jumping like a carnival. But it wasn't. It was just, you know, business as usual, except their business was uh, had huge effect on a global uh, level. So that was the first time I'd ever stepped into something like that. It was it was a. Uh, quite a scene. You have to tell the story, Michael, um, about you guys were out to dinner and John was late. And the way he shows up, I'm trying to picture this in my mind's eye. He just burst into with a cassette deck, right? I mean, uh, tell the story about Jimmy. Yeah, well, to set it up, you know, the, the, it was more than just John and Cynthia and Phyllis and I. It was, uh, it was about eight of us at the table and they were sort of rock priesthood uh, stars of the time. Um, and I, uh, we were all just waiting for John because he was late. And he blasted in with this tape recorder and he said, uh, this is, uh, you have to see this. I mean, you have to hear this. I'm sorry I'm late, but I was stuck at a club listening to this guy. And he played the tape recorder and it was Hendrix playing. He was playing Foxy Lady, I think, or or maybe Hey Joe. But anyway, he was it was one of his tunes. And the table just went silent. We just had never heard anything like it. And it was at that point that I realized, wow, this is the guy. Hendrix is the guy because he had he just zeroed in on what we were all swinging at uh, and in in our own way and he had he had hit it and so that was when I understood his importance to music was just at that first few bars of whatever it was that Lennon played then when I got back to the hotel I said to Mick uh, something about it and he said oh I saw John I saw Hendrix at a club just now in uh, wherever it was, and I asked him if he'd, he'd uh, be our opening act on the tour. <laughs> I said, okay, what did he say? He said, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going he's gonna to meet us up in, you know, Jacksonville, Florida. I said, well, all right. But, you know, that was one of the great pop ironies of all time. Isn't I mean, it, though? You know, Hendrix uh, against, uh, up in front of our crowd was just something, you know, I couldn't even imagine until I saw him that, that first night. And then it was, uh, I understood, you know, this guy was unstoppable. Well, Michael, I know we're short on time here, and it's an honor. I'd love to talk to you further, but maybe we'll set up another time. But this is one of my favorite reads of the year so far. I'm a pretty avid reader, and uh, it's I'm going to finish that book today, and I'll put it on my shelf, and I'll probably go back and revisit it. You did an amazing job. Well, thanks so much, Jim. Well, I really appreciate uh, getting a little airtime for it, and I, I hope other people will pick it up and read it. Come to Detroit. Come to Detroit. My treat. We'll get you back here. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Michael Morning. Nesman. Have a good day. It's an honor. Bye. Bye. There's that voice we all know, 1025 The Time. John Grayson here with you on the inside on the Big 550 KTRS. That, of course, Mike Nesmith singing with the Monkees. Birth of an Accidental Hipster off of their latest album. And now the author of Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff. Mike Nesmith, welcome to to, uh, to the inside. Hey, nice to see you. <laughs> it's great to hear your voice. This yeah. book, this book is tremendous. I, I don't know even where to start. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you talk a lot about your childhood. I was astounded to find out that an outspoken guy like you grew up in a household where people didn't talk about stuff much. Well, that was the way it was in my family. I mean, uh, they didn't uh, explore ideas. It was not, uh, and it wasn't, wasn't a really good place for a civil discourse. You know, people would <laughs> get pretty mad at the drop of a hat, yeah. yell at each other. So that was not the place that I did, you know, most of my uh, thinking. Most of that was done, you know, in a park somewhere on the banks of a river or banks of a creek. And um, then it wasn't until I got out into uh, into the world world that I started to realize, oh, wait a minute, there's another way to live life. <laughs> and 
And so a little bit of what Infinite Tuesday was, is about is me learning to live that life. And, and it's not so much an autobiography as it is a, just a series of riffs on the various things that happened to me over time. And one of those things that I absolutely loved reading about, it was so heartwarming, is when you saw Bo Diddley perform for the first time. Talk about that. Well, <clears throat> I had been, you know, Dallas, uh, I raised in Dallas. Dallas was hard segregation at the time. So I wasn't exposed to the to the black music, uh, black community in any way uh, I, because we were segregated, and there were no black students in my schools, and et cetera. So I started to hear this music, and I started to think, this is extraordinary. I need to really uh, get closer to it. I'd heard it because there was a, a, a bar close to the laundromat that my mother did our laundry, mm-hmm. and, I, and they, played, they played music. It was a bar that was... Uh, frequented and, and uh, patronized by um, the black community that was just on the other side of the bar, and there was constant blues and and uh, hard uh, what they called race music at the time coming out of the doorway there, and it was just like a magic for me. Yeah. I thought this is some of the best stuff I've ever heard in my life. I was that way with kind of all music in a way, but this was particularly good. And then I got a job at a record store and i began to see where it was coming from and how it was you know brought into my life and who were purveyors of it uh, my first exposures were uh, you know ike and tina and and fats domino and chuck berry and on and on and on the, the, the names that you've heard every place sure. but bo diddley popped up and i heard this song bo diddley and i thought wait a minute he's doing something here that i've never heard i want to i want to get down in this. There was a club in Dallas called Blue Ends. He was going to play there live, so I thought, well, I'm going to go see it. And I went and I saw him, and when I heard it played live, it was it was electrifying. And so I went to the record store that I worked at and asked if I could have that album, and I took that album home and listened to it over and over and over and over. And it just rearranged the way I thought about rhythm and, uh, you know, the, the whole prosology of, of uh, language. And it dawned on me, you know, this is the way I talk. This is the way my family talks. Mm-hmm. This is the way my uncle expresses himself. This is why he cusses. So he has these rhythmic beats in there that he can emphasize a point. And Bo Diddley's doing it musically. And I thought, i got to follow this guy. <laughs> yeah, good choice, I think. Well, in dialed this guy in. And of course, much later on, you were instrumental in bringing video music to the forefront and, and marrying those two different uh, you know, different ways of getting that message across. How did that happen? How did that gel in your head that you said, you know what, this is what's coming next? Well, I, it doesn't. It didn't happen that way, and it never happened that way. It was, it was always a, just kind of a wind that was blowing at my back. And all I had to do was just put the sails out in what's called a reach and just let the boat blow where the wind blew. And one of the things that was happening was the way that the music and video were all merging together. When I got a job uh, on the television show, The Monkees, I thought I was auditioning for a band, but they wanted to, to make a television show. Yeah. And uh, um, so I had to learn, oh, I see, well, there's a musical component, there's a way to produce the component at the same time you produce the live uh, show, at the same time you produce the video. And if I learn all of this stuff, I'm going to be able to work in it. 
as an artist for as long as I want to, I think. Yeah, and, and again, it's worked out really that's well. That's what happened. <laughs> right. Again, the book is <laughs> Infinite Tuesday. It's out from Michael Nesmith. An autobiographical riff is what he calls it, and uh, it's out and available to you now. Highly recommend that you get a copy of this. And, Michael, keep doing great work, man. We, we love the entertainment. And, by the way, let me also say it's been a great pleasure getting to know your son, Christian. He's a tremendous guy. you got a lot to be proud of. Well, all good. You got it. Michael Nesmith, thank you so much. We'll do some more talking just ahead. Annabelle Gerwich will join the show as we continue on through this Wednesday morning. John Grayson here with you on the inside of the Big 550 KTRS. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilt. Tim Powers, would you like to tell people about your shows? Absolutely. Check out Deep Dish Radio wherever you get your podcasts. It's uh, an interview show, a little bit like Zilch, but I kind of go off into my own little tangents. Guests have included Bobby Hart, of course, and uh, and Mickey's daughter, Emily, the very talented artist, Emily Dolans, but also folks like P.F. Sloan and songwriter Bruce Sedano, who wrote, uh, who wrote Bad Girls for Donna Summer. Mm-hmm. So check that out, Deep Dish Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. And as fellow Monkees fans, some of us may be Archie's fans and indeed and the Archie's have uh, basically come into our modern times both in the comic and on TV you can see the Archie's on Riverdale on the CW network and it's it's a it's a very different uh, spin but it's it's been a it's been a spin that I really have grown to love and one of the things I've grown to love about it is I've been listening to a podcast that you're doing called Hiram's Lodge which is all about the new show Riverdale but you also play the old radio shows of the Archies right in the 40s there was a um, there was a, a series a radio series uh, based on Archie and Jughead and it's it's silly and it's madcap and it's sitcommy and juxtaposed with the uh, the dark shadows, Twin Peaks nature of Riverdale. It's really kind of interesting. Uh, so my uh, my Riverdale after show is called Hiram's Lodge, and it also is available wherever you get your podcast. My partner, Robert J. Peterson, uh, an author here in Southern California, and I kind of dissect the show and then juxtapose it with what we know about the 40 years that we've been reading Archie Comics as well, because we're Archie Comics nerds as well. So, you know, you want to dig down and get into the, the origins of the of the Lodge family or the Cooper family or Archie or Jughead. Eh, this is, it's a fun place to hear two middle-aged men talk about a TV show aimed at, uh, at, at, at teenagers. Much, much like this show, Ken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about a show uh, that was aimed at uh, preteens as far as the monkeys, so how is it any different than then, you know? We all grew up. You know, somebody was talking to me the other day about Riverdale, and they said that they, they, they wouldn't give it a shot. They said that if they want to see the Archies, they, they'd watch the other stuff, and I had two questions for them. A, when was the last time you did? And number two, you know, you say it's it's like twins, Twin Peaks or, you know, something like that. But maybe it's just that being a teenager in 2017 is just that damn scary now. That's a good point, Ken. That's, a, that's an excellent point. It's just, you know, it, it's characters that have been flexible for, for 75 years. Mm-hmm. We've seen them in different incarnations, but they never leave too far from the core of their character, and, and that's something that you see in Riverdale, too. And the writers have done a great job giving it license for making it compelling television. We're 12 episodes in. You can binge watch wherever you get your television, and, uh, and Riverdale, frankly, in my opinion, is worth checking out. Yeah, there's two shows that I love this year on television. 
And God help me, if you would have told me two years ago that these are the two shows I'd be saying everyone must watch, I would have thought that I would have had to turn in my man card or some stupid macho thing. I don't know what it would be. But one of them is the incredible This Is Us, I, a show I never thought I'd watch. It was just a bunch of... <laughs> every every week you see people get on, they're like, oh, I'm crying again. Oh, and I'm like, oh, what kind of hot garbage is this? You know what I mean? And then I tried out the first episode, completely blown away. Amazing writing, amazing acting. Just I can't say enough good about it. And then there's my guilty junk food pleasure show, which is Riverdale. And occasionally I have the thrill ride aspect of it, but then every once in a while you see the gang at the pop soda shop, and it's it's nice to see them all caring for one another, and that is great. I base and if you if you add on top of that just the the sheer soap opera melodrama of you know the super evil villains that you just want to hiss uh-huh. and the the super pure good guys and the and the murder mystery of it all it's really kind of just it's you're right Ken it is junk food and it's silly but it's it's very well done it tastes so good yep so and good. I'm sorry to say that my Archie's connection this summer is going to be seeing Ron Dante on the Happy Together tour ooh well there you go so not I'm a, sure he'll, not he'll a give bad us place sugar sugar. That's not a bad place to be, Jeff. I mean, that the the lineup this year is really, really strong. Flo and Eddie always put together a good show. Oh yeah. And uh, if the Happy Together tour comes to your area, despite the fact that there are no monkeys in it, it is uh, it's a good show. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy it while you can, folks. We are all limited collector items. This limited editions, all of us, each and every. Well, that's one. a cheery note to end this on, Ken. Wow. Say something happy. Well, I am. Savor it. Collect all four. Get us all. Get it. Get everything you can. Enjoy the most of it. Me, I'm gonna go get some coffee. So, <laughs> I think I think we're listening to withdrawals right now on the podcast. Yeah. Get Infinite Tuesday the book. Get Infinite Tuesday the CD. And let us know what you think about them on the Zilch Facebook page, and we will see you on the next episode of Zilch. You know, I've never sung with the two of you. Are you ready? I, the uh, last time you did have the you show, got any requests? No. Yeah, have you gotten any requests to hear the three of us sing? No. Actually, well, to the contrary. <laughs> but here we go. Here we here come. We come. Tim. I'm not doing it. Walking, not doing walking it. down the street. I'm nope. not proud. You nope. get the funniest, the funniest looks from... from Here's my favorite part. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Because I made Ken happy. No, oh, there you go. That's all that matters, right? You know. That's all that matters. That's all yes. that matters. And welcome to a very special. Oh, are you ready? Are you rolling? I'm rolling. Yes. Okay. 
I'm rolling, rolling numbers, rock and rolling. Got my Here, kiss give me a, give me a three count so we can clap and you can match the track. One, two, three, four. And here we are having tea. Welcome. Well, between your nipple con, 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 comment and this, you've got your your end of the episode bloopers, bloopers. already set. Yeah, you know? there you go, there you go. Please make sure that nipple comment makes it. I don't I actually didn't record it, but I will say that the sound <laughs> of day tripper is the sound of my nipples getting hard. Every time you hear that riff, it is the sounds of my nipples getting hard. That was the image I wanted to recreate. Thank yeah. you. That's what it sounds. That's the sound. It's the best. You know, it's the best it's, riff. It's ever. early, Ken, and Jeff and I haven't had breakfast yet. Thank you for saving us the empty <laughs> calories of a breakfast. <laughs> Hi, fellow Zilch fans. This is Dr. Roseanne Welch, author of Why the Monkeys Matter, Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture, a book about the enduring significance of the monkeys as a groundbreaking television program, one that introduced audiences to new ideas of political ideology and new concepts of class and feminist theory, a program that challenged the rules of a new medium and paved the way for future innovation. Why the Monkeys Matter highlights the artistic achievements of the show's writers, actors, directors, and other artists, and celebrates all that the monkeys mean to television, to American popular culture, and to us, the fans. Why the Monkeys Matter is available in print and for Kindle, Apple iBooks, and Nook from your favorite bookseller. Find out more at RoseanneWelch.com. R-O-S-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-C-H.com. What's this? We Want the Monkeys podcast is on Zilch? Hello, America. This is Dave the Avon Lady. What you are hearing is correct. We Want the Monkeys, your second favorite monkeys podcast, is joining Zilch. This mega merger of epic proportions will rock the monkey world down to its very core. Soon, you will be able to enjoy the history of the monkeys on Zilch. You have been listening to We Want the Monkeys on iTunes. Now you can hear it right here. Hashtag Zilch Nation for life. Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Araculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history. You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blogspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig. Where do you yes. go when you want to hear the latest monkeys news? Oh, come on. I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers. Hey, hey, Zilch Nation. Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, 
Then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we're also big monkey fans, too. So, of course, we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews, like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. <laughs> Do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland Never on, on Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. <laughs> Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Hey, ape fans, did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s, a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975? And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with Ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the Monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us down. You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some? from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972. One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmar, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. 
you're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks.